Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. excited this morning to uh, intro our speaker. I told you we'll have uh, just kind of a a crew of different speakers this week, which is one of our values at Skyline. I shared last week, I just want to reiterate is that uh, we really desired to have a church that wasn't dominated by one voice or one personality. And so we've always had tried to have multiple people preach um, throughout the years, which has been just such a blessing uh, from the Lord, especially as a pastor to relieve the pressure of having to, you know, hit a home run every single week. Uh, Because there's a lot of singles and bunts in there, and when you spread them out, it doesn't seem as bad, um, but there every week, you got like four bunts in a row, people are like, whoa, man, this is getting old, so I, I'm so pleased, Hayden Coffee. I don't know, I think Hayden's downstairs, she just was amazing last week, what a... What a treat that was. This week, our friend Lance Humphreys is going to preach. And so, Lance, I want you to come up here. I'm going to pray for him. Yep. And uh, Lance has just been such a gift to our community. And um, if you know Lance, you know he's like an apostle to our city. And uh, he has just discipled me and mentored me for the last, I think we met for the first time in 2009. And we've met about every week for the last 13 years and has made a massive impact on my life and just been such a good friend and godly leader in my life. And so I'm so excited for you to hear what he has to share and I want to pray for you. So Jesus, we just love you and we love Lance and we thank you for the gift that he is to this church family and to our city to everyone who knows him, Lord. So I just thank you that um, he loves you and he just has such a walk with you, Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jonathan. I love you too. Um, Whoa, I'm nervous, but it's great to be here with you this morning. So, um, Stacy tells me that Enneagram 8s collect things. And I don't know that I collect stuff. I mean, I, you know, certainly not tchotchkes or plates or spoons or cars or clothes or, well, maybe boots. Um, but I collect songs. And I think I always have. And uh, so she's helping me see that. And uh, let me give you guys just a little taste of some of the collection through the years. Oh. She spread a blanket that we laid down on and loved the world away. Yeah. In Marina Day. Yeah, just wait. And how about from the same era? Ross, you know this? Oh. I'm only God. 
is Alabama for you Gen Zers out there, okay? I know, I know. So, question. I think we got my Garth Brooks deal on. So what does love in the first degree and Marina Del Rey have in common? Well, those are two of the first three tracks on a mixtape that I made in about 1989 when I was unashamedly, ferociously pursuing one Stacy Weaver. Uh, challenge, she was already dating somebody at the time, but nonetheless, I handed her a mixtape with that kind of stuff on it and sent her off on her spring break trip with her friends. When she got back, she dumped the guy, we were dating a week later, and the rest is history. So, Perry, we celebrate 30 years of marriage this month. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So, um, yeah, so mixtapes and collecting songs and all that. Um, so, sorry, Jordan, I don't have a clicker, but, you know, the one that talks about our goal this morning, throw that one up. Yeah, proverbial marriage playlist. That's what I call this. Um, you can go to the next one. Yeah, so there we go. So, what I want to do this morning is have fun. We'll spin a few tunes. We'll tell some stories. But mostly, we just want to create... Thank you, Blake. We want, we want to create heart space um, to listen and to respond. And the Lord even shared with me some stuff during worship that I'm excited to share at the end and some stuff that we can pray into. So um, that's what we want to do this morning. Um, okay. You know, I got too many different things to hit up here. Oh, the one that has the big arrow or green thing on it. <laughs> So, um, so we're working through the books of Pro book of Proverbs, and it's interesting. There's some really juicy stuff in 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 marriage in Proverbs about the topic of marriage, which is the topic that I was given. Um, uh, and I want to talk about three things that we could talk about. Fifty things that the Lord that Proverbs speaks to that impact mar uh, marriage really in a disproportionate way. But before we get into it, I just want to say a couple of things about marriage. So, Trevor Pemberton and I had one of the most powerful worship experiences I've had in my life about two weeks ago, sitting right there, and all of a sudden, I just started looking around the room, and I just started to weep, and I'm like, Lord, what? And it's like, I know these people's stories. I know their stories. I know the pain they've been through. I know what a miracle it is that that person three rows up is able to sit here and proclaim the things that we're saying about all hail King Jesus. And I said, Trevor, and I had tears running out of my face. I said, Trevor, I said, I think most of the worship team has experienced such devastating pain just in the area of marriage. It's a miracle that that's coming from that stage. And then you know, a couple minutes later, he's like, do you know this person's story? I'm like, no. And we had a moment, we had a thing, and it was one of my favorite worship times ever. But our stories are so powerful. But here's the reality that I want to say right up front is the topic of marriage, whether it's a desire to have it and you've never had it, you've had it multiple times and it's brought, you know, shame and, and, and pain, um, you know, um, you know, regardless of what this P 
piece of pain potentially could be for you. For many of us, it's a place of, of, of greatest pain and a place that, that the hurt involved has nurtured some really powerful lies. Like, I'm not chosen. I'm a failure. I'm not lovable. I mess up again and again. This is a place without judgment and full of grace. And the places where we experience the deepest pain are the places that the Lord wants to touch in in the deepest way. And all of us have some pain connected to marriage and family. So we're going to talk some more about that, but I just want to give grace there. And, And I just want to say this too. Um, more later, but if you're not yet married, A, I know at 52 that the father delights in giving his kids the desire of their heart. He just does. And it comes in just the craziest ways when, when we least suspect it, but he's not playing games with you. He is crazy about you. He's working his goodness in you to perfection right now. And he's not waiting for you to get something figured out. You are precious to him. Some of you may be called to singleness. I mean, like, if that's you, you'll know that at some point. You know, it's not like, oh, great. I'm probably called to, no, 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 no. And you'll have grace for that. And both Paul and Jesus say, that's actually an incredible thing if it works out that way. Oh, if we had time, I could tell you some stories about some people who I know. I could tell you some stories about some people I don't know that I've read about. And the history of missions is the history of people, many of whom were called to a life of being not married. And um, so, can we get good at talking about stuff as a family that brings freedom and grace to one another? Yeah, so more, more about all that. But marriage is about two things. If you don't remember anything else, it's about becoming more like Jesus. And it's about being a forerunner of a marriage yet to come. So, every marriage is like a covenant wedding announcement. Amen? But here's the deal about that marriage in the future. We will all be there. None of us will be married to anybody but the bridegroom at that wedding. We'll all be brides. (laughs) If that doesn't make any sense to you yet, that's okay. We'll lean in. Oh my gosh, incredible. You know Waterdeep? Don Laurie Schaffer writes some of the craziest lyrics. They wrote a song called Both of Us Will Feel the Blast. I wish I could take time to play all of these songs for you. They're all on a, on a playlist. Um, <laughs> um, that you're welcome to, to hear. But we're all on this journey together. And we're all learning. And I want to say a couple of things about Proverbs. Oh. Oh, it won't let you go back. Okay, yeah. A couple of things about Proverbs. So... Proverbs is a mixtape, you guys. It's these seemingly random thoughts, um, but with a theme. Theme like, you know, I'm guilty of love in the first degree. Um, But it's a father to a son about how the world works, okay? And interestingly, it's about two women. 
One woman is named Wisdom, and so this is the beautiful, you know, thing that runs all throughout Proverbs is this contrast, this foil of these two women. One is Wisdom, chapter 8, one of the most beautiful book chapters in the Bible, reads like the Song of Songs. Uh, shout out to Jared Lovett for jamming on that with me this week. Um, but Wisdom represents the heart of God. The way of his kingdom ultimately made flesh in Jesus, okay? So, and the other woman that's contrasted in the book of Proverbs is folly. You especially see this in so verse, chapter 8, wisdom, chapter 9, folly. Folly is this seductress, this temptress that, that represents our flesh's desire to chase after the things that it wants, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. The rebellious heart. So, Proverbs is more descriptive than prescriptive. We want rule books for everything. This is not a rule book. So, um, Proverbs says some interesting things about marriage, like it's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife, Proverbs 21. Well, I don't find that particularly helpful, and the truth is that's true of ill-tempered husbands as well, and there's probably more of them, okay? Proverbs 18, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Well, that's true of women finding husbands as well, you know, and not everyone is called to marriage. So, some of these things, you know, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Well, so are nagging husbands, okay? So, um, we want the rules, but these aren't rules. Here's the other thing about Proverbs, we've got to read everything in the light of the revelation in Jesus. So, Jesus says in Matthew 19, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is talking about covenant, marriage as covenant. So, Jesus sets the frame for everything we understand about marriage, marriage and that is to become one. Um, such a beautiful picture in uh, Josh Garrell's knife. It's on the playlist. But beautiful. Well, guys, but music is the language of the heart and musicians are poets that use these beautiful images to speak to things that are as deep as covenant marriage. Yeah, so that's what's so, that's what's so fun. Anytime I'm going to do anything like this, I put a playlist together because I want to I feel the thing. You can do that too. So, it's good. Um, so, um, Jesus sets the frame for covenant. Now, one incredibly redeeming thing I must say about Proverbs 31 chapters, 31 days in most months. The, the wisest human being I've ever known was my poppy, and he read, often with cigar in hand, the proverb of the day most days of his adult life. So, there's some juicy stuff in there, and um, that's really good. But I want to talk about three specific things that, that came on my heart as I read through all of Proverbs and said, Lord, what would you say about marriage to these precious sons and daughters at Skyline? And uh, so, we're just going to play three tracks. We could do 50 from Proverbs. In the first, we're going to talk about nurture your spouse's heart, then serve, don't shame, and then the myth of the perfect. Um, I hope you find something 
helpful in here. So let's, let's get into it. So, nurture your spouse's heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. So, this one verse, I would argue, is the core of the entire book of Proverbs. So, everything that the author is trying to describe about this woman, wisdom that represents God's heart and his kingdom, is encapsulated in this idea of guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Now, if we're in a covenant marriage, and we are, then how do we guard our spouse's heart? How do you guard your spouse's heart? Proverbs 27, 19 says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. The heart reflects the real person. So when we talk about the heart, you guys, we're talking about who you were created to be when you're at your kingdom best, who you really are. Functioning secure in the love of God and the gift of love that you are to the world. And you are. Um, so, one of my favorite authors says it like this. Um, this is Frederick Buechner. They both still have their lives apart as well as, the, as a life together. They both still have their separate ways to find. But a marriage made in heaven is one where they become more richly themselves together than the chances are either of them could ever have managed to become alone. When Jesus changed the water into wine at the wedding of Cana, perhaps it was a way of saying more or less the same thing. So, okay, put another way um, from my favorite artist of 2021, Toby and Weegway, in a recent single, let's see if we can pull this off. I promise I won't do this for every single point, but it's just kind of fun to try. <laughs> You're gracious. You won't catch all this, but maybe you'll get just a taste enough to want to go back and hear later. The mailman delivered agape in the form of fat who had first contact was a frivolous entree. We had dissonance, but her diligence and commitment when I was indifferent was equivalent to someone hit with the spirit and forced to lay prostrate. Overwhelming, potent, and pure, but undeniable. She was my friend when I had no ends. That made us somewhat sizable. Difference in how I would listen when she would express the intrinsic gem she saw within me that made me desirable to her, but I was sure that thing she saw within me that made me desirable. He's talking about his wife, Fat, that when he met her, she began to see in him who he really was. And now that they're married, she continues to speak truth over him. And I guess people get uptight about the way that their relationship developed, and I don't know about all that kind of stuff. But, um, but this is what we're talking about guarding the heart. So to guard the heart, you have to know the heart. I remember when my friend Steve Cockrum sat Stacy and I down on our back porch and he had become a uh, Myers-Briggs guru, Myers-Briggs typology guru. And he helped Stacy and I discover that our orientation to time is fundamentally different. And that to that point, 
accounted for most of the conflict in our relationship. So I live in the future, Derek. The future to me is more real than, 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 the, than the present. Um, everything orients me toward the future. Stacy lives in the now and in the past. And if you don't understand that about Stacy and I, then there's lots of conflict that can come in because I can absolutely scare her to death with simple little comments like, wouldn't it be cool if? She doesn't live in the if. So she's like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna have to do in the now to make his if come, come true if, if he decides to go there? I'm just dreaming. I'm just throwing out ideas. This is just fun because I live out there and sometimes it's fun to bring that in here. Know their story. Know the lies that have made it hard for them to receive the truth of how precious they are to the Father and to you. And men, do not outsource to your wife's friends the joy of celebrating her heart. And they will. Women are incredible at loving each other. And if your wife finds a group of women that are constantly speaking truth over her, that's incredible. But you get to get in on it. You get to get in on it. Make your spouse your lifelong fascination and greatest area of study. Know their story, their pain, the things that they've overcome, their dreams, their joy, their struggles, their foods that they love, the colors they love, how they like to decorate, and expect things to change. Just when you got it figured out, there's going to be new personality traits. There's going to be new dreams, new, new learnings, new areas of collaboration. Make it a lifelong joy to study your spouse's heart. Raise your hand if you think that's a good point, that you think we should do that. I know more my own heart right now than I ever have because Stacy has made it a 30-year study, and she loves me enough to keep fighting for me, and she keeps telling me over and over who I really am. Now, let me tell you just a little taste of what I could tell you for about three hours about Stacy's heart. It is oriented toward people, period. It's oriented to the present and to the past. Stacy was made to know and love people at a heart level. She sees the best in people and she calls it out. If her people are okay, she's okay. If her people are not okay, she's not okay. She is loyal, she's wise, she's discerning. She is a very sweet force to be reckoned with. To know Stacy is to know someone has your back and believes the best in you. My job is to celebrate, create space for, and till the soil of the rich goodness that is Stacy's heart. And guys, in 30 years, I'm learning new stuff every day and I'm just scratching the surface of the goodness that God made her to be. She's incredible. I love you, sweetie. So, but what a privilege to get to stand up here and say that. Okay. So, ah, whoo. Serve, don't shame. Proverbs 3, 3 says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Annie talked about the power of words a couple of weeks ago. Um, by the way, I'm so proud to be in a community 
that values the voice of women, that values the voice of young women, Annie and Hayden absolutely uh, just brought such goodness and truth to us in the last couple of weeks. I'm just, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, and I'm thankful for you, Annie, and Hayden's probably back serving kids. But, um, but we have to assume the best in our spouse. Um, and realize most of their faults aren't actually their faults, but are just places where they don't meet our selfish expectations. And I've got to really credit my friend Joshua Farnbrook for, for, for a conversation that we had where we were talking about some of this. Proverbs 18 says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Now, nothing crushes a spirit like shame. Shame's that emotion that we feel that just fuels all these lies that we already tell ourselves about how unworthy that we really are. And we fuel shame when we expect our spouse to be what we need versus guarding their heart. There was a, uh, our family loves certain SNL, um, certain SNL skits are we can repeat word for word have become you know um, ubiquitous in our in our family this is not one of those but um, but I love any of the Kenan Thompson stuff and they did one a few years ago with on meharmony.com you know and uh, of course everyone's like you know I could never find anybody that would just love me for me I could never find anyone that really understood me and how great I am you know and then you know Dr. What's his name you know comes on and he says you know he says don't worry when you fill out our questionnaire we will only ask you questions about your favorite subject you you know and uh, <laughs> um, and you know like Hayden said last week, guys, relationships are really hard. Relationships are hard. They're the hardest thing we do in all of life. That's why God in his grace uses relationships more than anything to make us more like Jesus. And oftentimes it's the, the pain points in those relationships, but oftentimes it's the people who we're closest to that are the hardest because we can lose grace for each other. Uh, we know our spouse's weak points real or perceived and in our selfishness we just want to fix everything in our world to make it the way that we want it to be so serve don't shame don't try to fix that's the holy spirit's job is to work on our character our job is to give love now i have a i have a character issue i'm going to be vulnerable about i leave cabinets open uh, I, I am capable of change. Uh, I, d I don't leave toilet seats up. Uh, that lasted only a couple weeks of marriage. And honestly, you know, if I try and rationalize it, I, I literally think I'm just so on to the next thing. I don't intend to leave the cabinet open. I just, I just forget. And I'm working on it. But can you imagine Stacy, who, who really values order in our home, and can you imagine when she walks in the kitchen, she's like, I know exactly what you did. You went here, you did this, you went here, you did this, you did, that door's open, that door's open. It would be so easy for her if she lost grace for me 
began to really disdain me, wanted, wanted me to fit into her world for, to just be like, you know, you idiot. Can, seriously, is it that hard to shut a cabinet? You know, um, it, it, it would be so easy for her to begin to just, you know, but she's just gracious. And you know what? She knows we're kind of working it out together. And 99% of the time, she just shuts the cabinets and figures that God will deal with me in his time on the whole cabinet, <laughs> cabinet issue. Guys, let the longing to be loved perfectly drive you to pursue the only one who can. Not drive you to put those expectations on your spouse. Love your spouse in such a way that they get glimpses of the love they were created to receive. Yep. So create space for this. Um, early in our marriage, it was suggested to us um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I'm looking at Evan and Michelle because I know it was, it was suggested to them as well that, uh, and several others of our era that we get couch time on a daily basis, you know. <laughs> Which in the big context of some of the other things that went along with that teaching, there were some unhelpful things, but, but that was actually a good idea that we've kept for, you know, most of 25 years, which was, create space to actually <laughs> oh no I'm going there sorry 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 oh you guys are terrible no but but create space to talk create space to talk and be vulnerable with one another about your relationship you know um, and Stacy and I can get favorite drinks, favorite snacks, and sit down on our back porch and actually have a conversation about, you know, um, because it's settled that we're for each other. It's settled that we're not going to operate with the tools of shame. It, it's, it's settled that we're going to serve, not shame. So we're working through stuff, and, but you've got to create space and create that conversation. And, and, uh, and so, um, yeah. Do that. Okay. Last thing. The myth of the perfect. And uh, I felt so, such energy on this in my own heart and, and I, just a sense from the Lord. But, you know, I remember that um, when Stacy and I were first married, she was invited to be a part of a women's Bible study that by incredible people with nothing but in incredible intentions. Um, but it was a study of Proverbs chapter 31. It's the last chapter in the book. And, um, um, and it seemingly would be all about marriage. So we've got to talk about Proverbs 31. Well, um, Stacy's Bible say was all about the Proverbs 31 woman, aka the Proverbs 31 wife, who is basically perfect who is basically perfect. And I'll just kind of leave this, leave the first portion of this up for you to peruse at your leisure. But let me just explain a couple of things about Proverbs 31. Um, 
and back up, needless to say, Stacy would not come home encouraged from most of those Bible studies. If you've ever had a list of rules and shoulds about what you should be once you get it all perfect, that never feels good and it always brings up shame. But Proverbs 31 is an acrostic poem. It literally takes, the, takes in, in order the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and makes statements about wisdom. This is the final volley of a poet who's been talking about the woman that is wisdom, that is also every, the pursuit of every man and woman, that wisdom for, you know, 30 chapters worth. This is the final flurry. It is not a hopeless list for women to try to live up to. And all of these virtues apply to men and women. Um, but no man or woman has ever or will ever be the perfect spouse. It, it's like the end of the fireworks show of the book of Proverbs. It's like, A, active, B, beautiful, C, caring, you know, D, discerning. I mean, that's what the writer of Proverbs is trying to do, not hand us a book of rules. Um, and and it matters, you guys, because we are precious. That's a word I'm learning from Michelle and Cindy and some other wise women in our city that have really spent a long time thinking about why it is so hard for us to receive our identity in Christ and to really feel the love of God. And, um, well, let me just give you one little, one little thing from that from that great therapist of Gen X, um, Alanis Morissette. Maybe you'll relate to this. Sometimes it's never quite enough If you're flawless I know she sounds really sweet there. If you're not familiar with Lannis Morissette, she can get angry. Um, <laughs> listen to those songs at, you know, at, at, your, at your own peril. But, um, um, but all of us are made in the image of God to receive his love and to give that love to others. Yeah, it's not complicated. Starting with the people closest to us. But we struggle to believe that we're precious when we're given a religious model of what we're supposed to be when we finally get it all perfect. I just want to say this morning, you're free to receive your preciousness in God and he's not waiting for you to become the perfect husband, wife, friend, child, parent, boss, or anything else in the whole wide world. God isn't looking for performers. He's not looking for, 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 for A players. He's looking for men and women who are, as my friend 
Kai said of her soon-to-be husband Jordan when I was commenting on his handsomeness, and he is, his heart is hard after Jesus. That was her description of him. Running hard after Jesus. We cannot gut out marriage like we gut out anything in the life of grace. It's not about perfection or performance, but about preciousness. So, if you want a great marriage, commit to two things as a covenant couple. Get these right, everything else will take care of itself. To receive the love of God and to love people well. It's the same goal, goals that we should have for our kids. That they would just be able to receive the love of God and love people well. Make it the desire of your heart that your family would be known as the people who believe God loves them and are generous with letting that love spill out to the world around them. Become fascinated with Jesus. He's the bridegroom. He's perfect. He loves you. Um, okay. A couple of words of conclusion. Um, I've discovered these. They, they give these to the kids. They come with crayons. They're fabulous for note-taking or for jotting down, you know, jotting down things. But a um, couple of... Oh, man. Well, my... Notes just went away. Technology. That's okay. Uh, Hazes, good to see you. Um, uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, one, two, three rows down, there are a bunch of mostly young people who I don't know that I know or have ever seen before. But I glanced at you before we ever started this morning, and I don't even know if you know each other. This could be like three random groups on, on the same row. But, um, but I glanced at you, and I just felt the Lord's heart, and I heard the most interesting phrase, I've taken, I've taken whole nations with fewer than, fewer than you. I've taken whole nations with fewer than you. And... The, the sense that I had is there's an invitation for you as a community, if you're a community, to, to lean into. And there's no pressure in that. It's, it's an invitation, but there's a, there's a moment, and it has everything to do with the fascination with Jesus that we've been talking about. Does that resonate with any of you? Mm. Lord, give them all that you have for them today. Will you let us pray, pray for you, um, like as, as a group during our time where we do that, that later? Um, and um, if you are, these things are challenging because, you know, uh, I don't know the, I don't know the pain of wanting to be married and not being married. I don't know, I haven't experienced the pain of divorce. Um, so I'm just tender to say heart things that I haven't experienced. And I'm just gonna 
trust her for the, for, from the Lord. But there was something as I was preparing for this week that there is a precious thing over people who are people who are young and not married and want to be in this community. And there is an invitation for you to lean into intimacy with Jesus in these days. And that is extraordinary. Lean into his heart. Receive all that he has for your identity in him and for you to know the love in him and trust him with giving you the desires of your heart in his timing. But we're not going to be a community that sees every person who is, is not married that assumes, A, that that's the greatest desire of their heart at this moment, that that is their core identity and it's the job of the rest of us to get them married. That's unhelpful. And so, as a community, we want to say we guard each other's hearts and we're pushing each other for intimacy with Jesus. We're going to speak truth over each other regardless of our marital status because we're all leaning into him as the best thing we could do for our hearts, for our marriages, for our future marriages. Again and again, amen. Amen. So, I think there's a moment for us to have with the Lord this morning where we just agree with that. And, and maybe you even want to come and have someone agree with that with you, you know, because there's so much stuff that's built up in that area, almost like a, a pipe that was made to run freely, but just stuff is built up inside of it where it's hard for, for, for freedom to flow. So, yeah. And then if maybe you're married, but you've allowed a little bit of just a tinge of selfishness and apathy and disdain to begin to sit in where you actually have gotten comfortable shaming each other. And you know what's so awesome about relationship with Jesus is that we always get do-overs. We've been so forgiven. And we're forgiven time and time and time again. And we can start over. And let me just make one little editorial comment. Very rarely are husbands and wives in the same exact place in the Lord at the same time. So maybe the Lord said something powerful, powerfully to you today. You worry about you. You worry about you. Don't put what you've heard for you on your spouse. Let him speak to them in his way, in his time. And it may, you know, your spouse may need to go away from this morning and just give it a think and a pray and process a little bit and then come together for some couch time, right? So, um, so yeah. Um, you're so loved. What a privilege to get to stand up here and say, hey, everybody, remember, Jesus is real, and he absolutely is knocked out crazy about you, and he's doing stuff in our lives and in our city, and we get to be a part of it. That is freaking crazy. So, remember that. All right. Lord, we love you. You guys can stand up. Lord, we love you. Thank you for sharing your heart with us as sons and daughters, some of us in marriage relationships, some of us not, but you meet all of us in the same place.
in the place of a desperate need to go deeper with you. So we ask Holy Spirit that you would come in these moments that we have where we sing and we pray for each other, that, um, that you would just meet each and every precious one where they are with encouragement and freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen.